This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. series entitled After Your Last Breath, and I realize this sermon series could have kept us occupied for, uh, for several months. There are many other aspects we could have uh, covered, um, but sorry to disappoint you prophecy junkies. Uh, I feel released from this series, and we're going to move on after today. Now, here's where we're going for our study. As a, as a pastor, and, and, and believe it or not, in July, if, if you keep us around for another month, you will have put up with us for 25 years, and you deserve a big smiley face for that, and, and I've put up with you for nearly 25 years, and I deserve a gold star for that. Uh, but down through the years, you become quite predictable. Uh, it, it just seems like time and time again, you ask the same questions over and over. 
And, and, and that's okay, but for our wrap-up lesson, we're going to try to answer some of your questions. And this is kind of a different type of study than what we would normally have on a Sunday morning. Um, now, a couple of the questions that we will deal with as related to our series topic will come across as shallow and not very meaty. And, 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 and those of you that like the deep doctrine, doctrines of propitiation, Christology, soteriology, eschatology, all of that stuff, you're probably not going to be real pumped about this part, but, you know, we've dealt with some heavy, heavy topics, uh, judgment, hell over the last month. And so I think it's okay that we begin with the lighter side, but stay tuned. We'll be dealing with some very heavy questions as well. Here are the ground rules for our study. Uh, and, and I try to make this the ground rules for every lesson. Whenever the Bible speaks clearly regarding a subject, I will try to give clear answers based on the Bible. But, but there are some subjects in the Bible that, uh, well, they're just not clearly addressed. Some subjects today that the Bible doesn't clearly address. And so in those situations, we're going to try to use general principles, biblical principles that apply. If there seem to be no general principles that apply, then I'll give you my opinion. And at every step of the way, you have the right to disagree because, as always, you have the right to be wrong. So let's dive into our first question. This is on the lighter side, but do our pets go to heaven? Now, I know this question seems to have no eternal implications for us as, as human beings, and it seems like a waste of time to deal with on a Sunday morning, but, but you would be surprised that this question evokes more emotions than it does when I preach on hell and the judgment and the lake of fire. I found that when I bring fluffy into the lesson, people go nuts. They go crazy. And if I offend someone, I get death threats. And, and so today, and I'm joking there, but let's just all take a chill pill, okay? As we discuss, do our pets go to heaven? Well, I want to tell you that absolutely, unquestionably, the answer is, it depends. Are we talking about dogs? You knew we were going here, didn't you? Are we talking about cats? And as, as I've said before, not all dogs go to heaven. In fact, I had someone tell me after the service, the early service, thank God, because Queenie, I couldn't stand Queenie. I'm glad she's not going to be in heaven with me. And of course, not all dogs go to heaven. Absolutely, no cats go to heaven. So anyway, uh, by, by the way, just for your information, I've never been mean to a cat in my entire life. But cats are fun to pick on because cat lovers seem to be more opinionated than normal people. And, and, and they'll get in your grill and shake their finger at you. And, and, and so I really don't dislike cats nearly as much as I love tormenting cat lovers. But, but as we get into this question, I know what it's like to have a pet that you love. And especially for those who are single and and uh, that's their companion, their, their, their partner. And, 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 and I know what it is to, to love a pet. In fact, I was thinking of all the different pets my family has had. We've had dogs. And yes, this screams hypocrisy on my part and it hurts my reputation. We've even had cats. We've had birds. We've had rabbits. We've had chickens. We've had lizards. We've had snakes. We've had rhinoceros beetles. We had a gray fox when we lived in South America named Dixie. We had an ocelot, which is kind of like a bobcat with a long tail, named Murdoch. A couple of years ago, we had an injured baby squirrel that had fallen out of its nest and was paralyzed. 
For a short time in South America, we actually had a jaguar. Not, not the car, but the cat. Uh, and, and for those of you that don't know what a jaguar is, it's, it's like a mountain lion. Let, let me, let's see a picture here. That's a, a full-grown, and ours actually didn't look like that. Ours looked like this next picture right there. It was just a little rascal, but it could eat a lot of flesh as well. We, we've had hermit crabs. We've had mice. We've had hamsters. We've had turtles. We've had fish. We've had crawdads. We've had eels and um, so I understand what it is to, to have pets. I understand what it's like to say goodbye to a pet. My, my daughter, Becca, we used to have a goldfish. And last week I talked about going to Yosemite. And um, we didn't know until we were on the way. Becca had taken Tristan, which was the name of the fish, uh, goldfish. She had put it in a jar and it was going to Yosemite National Park with us. And it got so cold. I think there was ice in the water one time. And made it through. Made it all the way back. And she went to take a summer course in Florida. So I was responsible to take care of Tristan. I did a water change. Filled it up too much. He jumped out. And I didn't discover until it was too late. Even mouth to mouth didn't bring him back to life. Uh, I, I understand what it's like to go into our backyard. And dig a shallow grave. And have a committal service. I in fact, we've got so many pets buried in our backyard, I'm afraid someone will come and discover the bones and think that it's a crime scene. But as we, as we dive into this topic, let me begin with some logic. This is not the Bible part. We'll get to the Bible part in a moment. But, but here's the logic. For those of you that think our pets go to heaven, let me just ask you this. If there is a heaven for pets then is there also a hell for pets? And how do pets make the cut? You know, if your dog has too many accidents on the carpet, is that what causes them to go to hell? Or if your cat bites five people in their lifetime, is that the deciding factor? Or, or would you say that it's the pets of Christian people, you know, they kind of inherit their faith and they go to heaven, but if their owners are not Christians, they go straight to hell? Or, or would you say that certain classifications of animals go to heaven? You know, dogs, cats, birds, bunnies go to heaven, but the armadillo does not because he digs holes and carries leprosy. You, you can kind of see where I'm, I'm going. That's the logical discussion. Let's move into the biblical discussion. We know that God created man in his own image and God breathes spiritual life into man. And yes, God created animals as well, but not in his own image. And nowhere do we see that God breathes spiritual life into animals. And we know that whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. We know that whoever believes in Jesus, though he dies, yet will live eternally. And as far as I can tell, animals do not call on the name of Jesus. Now, before you go jump off of a bridge, because Fluffy may not go to heaven with you, let me say that it appears that there will be animals after our last breath. You know, we read last week in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 8, where the wolf, or verse 6, wolf will live with the lamb, leopard will lie down with the goat, calf and the lion, etc., etc. Uh, after the seven years of tribulation, during the millennial period, there will be those animals. Revelation 19 says Jesus will ride in on a white horse. So there will be some animals at some place at some time but sorry to disappoint you, it probably will not be fluffy. And that was hard for me to say because my wife told me that if I took that stance, she would leave the church. I hope she was only joking. Let's deal with another question. 
a lot of people wonder, should a Christian ever be cremated? I've gotten this question a lot. And, and I think the reason is because in the Old Testament, cremation was seen as a pagan activity. And that's why the Israelites and later on Christians would not cremate their loved ones. Plus today, if you visit a Hindu country, you know, in Hinduism, they never bury their deceased. Uh, they only cremate their remains and, and they do it publicly. And I've witnessed this at different times and it's a very sobering experience. Here's just a picture of one of the times I was in Nepal where Mount Everest is and and uh, you see the chairs in the background there. People just sit around and converse. It's watching their loved one go up in smoke. Um, furthermore, some people say, well, if you're cremated, what happens to a cremated body at the resurrection? Can God restore a cremated uh, body? Sorry, but that's a dumb question. <laughs> Down through the years, a lot of Christians have been martyred and burned at the stake. And their bodies were burned so badly that they became dust and ashes. And not to mention that everybody that's buried in a cemetery is decomposing, breaking down, doing what Genesis says, you know, for dust you are, to dust you will return. So if God can restore a decomposed body, if God can restore those who have been burned at the stake, then I believe God can also restore a body that's been cremated. But as far as instructions from God... The Bible really doesn't give a clear directive. And so when people ask me, is it okay to be cremated? I have to tell them to my knowledge, the Bible doesn't speak against it. I believe this is a decision for the family and a matter of preference. Sorry if I didn't align myself with your position. Let's deal with another question. Is it okay to try to contact the dead? And this question, I think, as we get into some really heavy stuff, I, I think unpacks a lot of other kind of sub-questions, such as, is it okay to go to palm readers or crystal ball readers? Uh, is it okay to pay $4.99 a minute so Madame Weirdo can tell you where you lost your car keys? And there are those services, by the way. Is this all innocent? Well, I believe that Deuteronomy chapter 18 answers that very clearly. Verse 10, it says, And do not let your people practice fortune-telling or sorcery or allow them to interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is an object of horror and disgust to the Lord. It's because the other nations have done these things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. So when the children of Israel were going into the promised land, the countries there were doing this stuff. And so God says, that's the reason I'm going to let you take their land because this is so disgusting to me. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. The people you're about to displace consult with sorcerers and fortune tellers, but the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. Psychics, interpreting omens, crystal ball readers, even reading your horoscope. Those activities, in my opinion, are not cute and innocent. I believe they're gateway activities. And, you know, you hear the term gateway drugs. These are drugs that may not be terribly harmful in themselves, but 
can kind of open the door and lead to some hard drugs. But these kinds of things that I mentioned, I believe, are gateway activities that can lead to things that involve the dark underworld. You say, okay, Pastor, what about this? What about going to one of those so-called prophets in churches and let them prophesy over you and tell you what you've done in the past and what will happen to you in the future? And, And I know this has the potential of riling up some people, but I still urge caution here. I know there is the true biblical gift of prophecy, speaking God's word and being God's voice. But you need to test the spirits. Just because someone says, well, I have a message from the Lord for you. I'm sorry, but it doesn't necessarily mean squat. Test the spirits. Is the prophet's main goal just to look into your past and tell you, well, you know, I see this in your past. And, oh, yes, I'm looking into your future. You know, like kind of a fortune cookie. You pull out that message that you open at a Chinese restaurant and says, well, you're going to meet Mr. Wonderful. You're going to be successful. If you're trying to sell your house, you're going to sell it, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I'm a firm believer that God gives us guidance and direction, and he can use other people to do that, but test the spirits and be cautious. Just because someone comes to me and says, I have a word from the Lord for you, I'm not going to swallow it hook, line, and sinker until I test the spirits And the Lord gives me confirmation of that. Uh, Before I got married, I had an experience once where a young lady started telling people she had prayed through and was supposed to marry me. True story. God never did. The problem was God never did confirm that to me. And it wasn't faith, by the way. You know, another example, when we took this church, we had a very godly man and I respected him. And I, I still do, even though he's gone. But he came to us and says, As you take, if you take this church, you are missing the will of God. This is wrong. It can't be right in any way. But when we prayed and fasted, we felt God was leading us to take the church. And I still respect that man, but I had to do what God was leading me to do. And we discarded what this other godly man was saying. So test the spirits on this kind of stuff. Let's deal with another question that is a very heavy question, and I I just want to go into this question very sensitively. Can a person who commits suicide go to heaven? And, And I say this very carefully because someone that's here in this service, they had a relative that took their life yesterday. And so, uh, for some of you, this hits very, very close to home, and Most of us in some way have been touched by suicide. So let's talk carefully and biblically about this. First of all, the World Health Organization says that approximately one million people commit suicide every year. I didn't check the math on this, but this article said that it comes out to one person every 40 seconds. That number is twice what it was a decade ago. But what is equally as tragic is that it is said that for every person that succeeds in taking their life, 15 others attempt it that do not succeed. So one million per year succeed, but then millions of others are in so much despair 
They take some step, whether it's a cry for help or it's a cry for attention, but they take a step towards ending their life. As a pastor, my involvement in this sort of thing is probably the most painful part of my ministry. And Honestly, uh, when I get the call, it's like, okay, Lord, I'm a zero. I don't have anything to offer here. And unfortunately, I've done way too many funerals for men, women, old and young, some from this church, some whom I led to the Lord, some whom I even baptized. But in a moment of despair, did something that their families will never, ever recover from. And I say this, I want to be sensitive because this touches some people here today, but many times this repeats itself in future generations. In one family, I've preached the funerals of three different generations of people who ended their lives prematurely. And by the way, if any of you are dealing with thoughts of self-harm, I beg of you, I plead with you, talk to someone today. Let someone walk the journey with you. Self-harm is never, ever, ever the answer. In Scripture, there are at least seven examples of people who took their own lives. Probably the most famous in the Old Testament would be Samson. If you remember, Samson went to Delilah's barber shop, got his hair chopped off, lost his strength. That was the secret of his strength. And, and you remember they poked his eyes out. They abused him. The day came when his hair began to grow back. The power began to come. And so he had a little child lead him. There was a festival going on and said, Child, lead me to the foundational pillars of the big building. And on top of the building there was a roof and this was the way they built it. But there would be people. There were people up there partying, just, just hanging out. And, and he said, Would you please take me there to those foundational pillars? And the child, not knowing what was going on, took him there and said, thank you, and he began to push against those foundational pillars. And the building came crashing down, not only took out his enemy, thousands of his enemy, said that, the Bible says that in his death he killed more of the enemy than he did in his life, but also took his own life. That was in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, probably the most well-known was, was Judas. After he had betrayed Christ, he felt so much guilt that he went out and and the Bible says he hanged himself. But anyway, what, what are a few principles that apply to the matter of suicide? And again, we're going to walk through this very, very sensitively. You don't need to run out of here if this hits close to home. First of all, I want to just, I guess, establish we know that murder is a sin. And taking your own life is a type of murder, self-murder. So I would argue clearly that suicide is very, very wrong. And I know the traditional position of the church down through the years and around the world has been very unbending. And, and, and the church has pretty much taught and believed that, you know what, if you take your own life, you are automatically destined for hell. And I'll admit that I wouldn't want to chance it. And if you look at those who have taken their own lives, many of them were not living for God. And, and so I can't just easily dismiss suicide and say that, you know, suicide victims are in a better place. They're no longer suffering. I, I, I can't do that. But on the other hand, over the years, I've developed a, a greater 
compassion for those who take their lives. And, and I don't just easily preach them into heaven. But neither can I just automatically preach them into hell. Because I don't know what goes on in the last seconds of people's lives. I believe that in some cases, extreme cases, people just snap. They may snap because of emotional trauma. They may snap because of intense physical pain. And, and sometimes it's a decision that is not necessarily premeditated. And then sometimes I believe there are people that are just trying to get people's attention. That, that it's their cry for help. But it doesn't go as planned and they take it too far. And again, I would not want to go into eternity doing this, but I'm not going to just stand here and authoritatively condemn them to hell. That's God's call. In fact, Samson, whom we mentioned, took his own life. And I don't understand this, but God put him in Hebrews chapter 11 as one of the great heroes of the faith. That blows my mind. I don't understand it. But I'm thankful that God is a very fair God. And He does all things well. That's a heavy question. And so let's lighten up a little bit with this question. Can those who have died... In, in fact, let me. I'm, I'm going to just skip this question here. Um, we're running short on time. Let's go to uh, uh, number six. Um, how does God determine whom he wants to take to heaven each day? You know, we hear people say, well, God wanted another beautiful rose in his garden, and so he chose my loved one. Or he wanted another soprano or another bass in his choir, and so he took so-and-so to add to his choir of millions. Question, is that the way God operates? Uh, pardon me, but that concept is nonsense. To think that God is so selfish that he would allow pain and sorrow in a family just because he wants a rose in his garden, just because he wants another choir member among the millions that are already there, that, that's not God's character. God doesn't work that way. He says there's a time to be born, there's a time to die. But know that it's not a selfish act where he brings pain and sorrow to families just so he can have another soprano in his choir. Let's wrestle with the last one and really the most important question of all. Is there more than one way to get to heaven? And truthfully, the claim that Jesus is the only way is the most offensive thing in our society today. You know, as soon as someone brings up the name of Jesus, all of a sudden it gets really weird. It gets tense because Jesus claims he's the exclusive way to God. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And today our society is looking for inclusiveness. You know, they don't mind your thinking that Jesus can get you to heaven, but, but they believe he's just one of many ways. And, and many people believe that all roads lead to God. As long as you're sincere, as long as you're good. You know, a study showed that 57% of those attending evangelical churches, those are churches like ours, they believe, 57% believe that many religions, not just denominations, we're not talking about, you know, Baptist, Methodist, not talking about denominations within Christianity. They're talking about different religions can lead to eternal life. 
Um, I remember a few years ago when I went to the, when I was in the country of Turkey and we were in the Mount Ararat region where Noah landed his boat and uh, we were sharing Christ with the Muslim Kurdish people and to get into that part of the country, and by the way, it's totally closed today, you can't even get in there, uh, but at that time you had to go in as a mountain climber and and so, you know, that was one of my loves and and uh, we went there, what's your purpose, we're going to climb Mount Ararat and and we uh, we did that, spent several days doing that, and uh, that's just a beautiful mountain. That's Mount Ararat right there. Um, but the majority of our time was spent the lower slopes of Mount Ararat, right down here. The, the Muslim Kurdish people are semi-nomadic, and so they will actually live down here in, in the wintertime. But in the summertime, this turns green, and so they will take their tents and they will be semi-nomadic and they will have their, their, their sheep and, and, and their goats. And so d- during that time, um, I had downloaded the Jesus film on, on my iPad in, in the Kurdish language. And so obviously it's, it's illegal to, to, to proselytize there, to try to share your faith. But we did it anyway. And uh, it was interesting their take on it. And we had people that would talk to us and and, and they said, hey, you know, we're going to paradise. You're going to heaven. That's the same place. We call our God Allah. You call your God, God, Jehovah. They're the same God. That's what they were trying to tell us. And they sincerely believe that. They said, we're one and the same. God is one and the same. So we're going to the same place. You just call it different terminology. And here in America, we've come to believe that same philosophy. And the question that I want to deal with this morning is, how did we get to this point? How have we come to believe that... Well, it's inclusive, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to believe, it's okay. How did we get here? Well, most people today are living with what you might call a postmodern view of spirituality. And and they see God as a journey rather than a person. And and spirituality in their mind consists of of, of visualization, experiences, worshiping elements of creation. And that's why you see a lot of people in Colorado, they're, they're worshiping elements of creation instead of worshiping the creator. You know, the Bible says that God created us in his image, but we're trying to do, uh, we're, we're trying to return the favor and create him in our own image. You know, we're making him into whatever we think God should be, whatever we want God to be. But that doesn't change who God is in His purest essence. And regardless of what our society says, it doesn't change the way that we find true salvation because John 14, 6 says, I am the way, uh, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And then Acts chapter 4, verse, verse 12 says, There is salvation in no one else. There's no other name in all of heaven for people to call on to save them. Ephesians 2, 8, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So I, I want to, if I can be clear on anything this morning, I, I want to be clear that the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. You can't do enough good things. You can't stop doing enough bad things. It's through Jesus Christ alone. 
And that's both exclusive and inclusive. It's exclusive in the sense that it's Jesus and Jesus alone. It's not all roads lead to heaven. It's through Jesus. But it's inclusive in the sense that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever would put their trust in him can be saved. That includes all of us. And so even though it's politically incorrect and incredibly unpopular, I don't mind putting myself in a corner by saying, I believe if there were any other way to God besides Jesus, there would have been absolutely no reason for his birth, his sinless life, his death on the cross, his resurrection. So I stand and I trust only in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. So as we wrap up our series today, what happens after your last breath? Well, it's determined by what you choose to make happen in this life. That's the way we started out our series. Why are, why are we even talking about the end times and all of that? Why, why would we do that? Because what we do, the way we handle this life it, on this earth determines where we will spend eternity after our last breath. A life with Jesus on earth is a life with Jesus in eternity. A life without Christ on earth is a Christless eternity as well. So, the choice is yours. And could I just say with all of the passion and emotion that I could get across today, choose well. Choose well. Because today makes a difference. Today makes a difference. Choose well. Would you choose Jesus today? Now, just before we go home, maybe there's some of you that you don't know Jesus as you should. Maybe you've distanced yourself. Maybe you've sinned and just blown it. Would you come back to Jesus? Remember, it's exclusive. It's only through Jesus, but it's inclusive. It includes all of us that come to Him. So during our prayer time, would you just come to Jesus? You know, this church is not important. I'm not important, but Jesus is important. That's what it really takes. Would you bow your heads, please? Nobody looking. Is there someone that would say, Joe, would you pray for me? God has really spoken to me today. You would just lift your hand and say, pray for me. Thank you. I see your hand. God's spoken to me. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. And yours. Anyone else? And yours. And yours. Thank you. Anybody else? And yours. God's really doing a work today. You know what? I, do, I, I don't want to pressure you. I, I but I want to give you opportunities to find Christ. And I know some of you, maybe you've just distanced yourself. You're just coming back. I'm going to ask you to stand right now, please. Everybody's standing. And maybe there's some of you that you just feel you want to come forward. I know it's late, but, you know, we're dealing with eternal matters. Is there anybody that you would like to just maybe nudge the person by you and say, would you go with me? And I want to pray here at the altar. I want to just take care of things. I think God is working on us here and I want to give you that opportunity. We're not going to wait long because I don't believe in pleading, pulling, begging. 
But if God has spoken to you and you want to do something about it right now with your brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to give you that opportunity to come. You don't confess your sins to me. You don't say anything publicly. You just talk to God. Anybody? Just quickly. If God has spoken to you and there were just a lot of hands that were raised, would you just, as I pray, would you do this? Would you say, God, here I am. I need this in my life. I need you. I need my sins forgiven. I need to come back to you. Would you just do that today as we pray? Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your spirit. Thank you for working in our midst today. God, we're dealing with eternal matters. And Lord, I pray that for those that raise their hands, especially that they would just right now, God, that they would just come to you, that they would come running to Jesus. Lord, maybe there's sin in their lives. Maybe they've distanced themselves. Maybe some have never accepted Christ. But Father, I pray that right now, this very moment, that they would just take those steps of coming to you. Lord, I pray that we would live for you. Lord, that our choices would be godly choices. Lord, as we go out into a world that uh, sometimes doesn't understand us, would you give us courage to do what is right? God, that you would help us to make the adjustments in our lives. And again, Lord, I just pray your blessing, your favor upon these people. Lord, let our lives be different as a result of your word today. This week, Lord, I pray that we would make some changes in our lives, that we would choose well, we would choose well, that we would choose Jesus. So God, we thank you so much for your presence, for your spirit, for your word. We just consecrate ourselves to you right now these few moments I pray this in Jesus name heads bowed eyes closed before we go is there anybody that would just say pastor I believe with God's help I've taken care of some things with him right now I've prayed is there anyone that I can just rejoice with you just lift your hand and thank you thank you praise God anybody else I just want to celebrate with you thank God Lord I thank you for these who have made some changes in their lives just continue to complete what you started I pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's wonderful people said, Amen and Amen. You're dismissed. See you this evening. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.